Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit that is Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Justin Thomas and Taylor Raglan. You know, guys, since August, we've talked football, volleyball, boys basketball, girls basketball, boys soccer, girls soccer, softball, even mixed in a little like wrestling and such. Today, though, is the first time, and Taylor... This is your time to shine, buddy. We're going to talk baseball. <laughs> You've, uh, Taylor's had to suffer through a lot to get to this point. I know it's, he's been a trooper, but yes, we finally got it. We finally made it. So uh, we're going to, yeah, devote this podcast to dipping our toes into the baseball waters for the uh, for the first time. We're, uh, I guess, a week into district play for the majority of our districts. So, um, yeah, what are just some uh, some early observations just throughout the landscape, be it a trend you've noticed with a certain team or a district? Let's um, let's talk baseball. And, um, Justin, we can start with you because when I think, uh, you know, baseball, in our coverage area, typically somebody that you're covering yep. is bound to do pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, what is uh, out in District 66A? What have been uh, some early impressions on how that district is unfolding? Well, I think the biggest probably takeaway from the first weekend is, um, like we just talked about recently on the softball podcast and other podcasts, just the clear demarcation between the LISD and Coppell programs and the Irving programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have... Flower Mound swept Louisville, and then you had the other three, Capel, Marcus, Heber, and all get sweeps over the Irving programs, mm-hmm. and not very competitive scores or anything either. So, one weekend, and I think you can already pretty safely say this is going to be a five-team race for four playoff spots, uh, and I don't think the uh, Irving schools are going to be able to kind of hang in there. The, uh, the thing that stood out to most to me is just kind of the pitching performances that you saw in this district okay. last week. So, I'll just kind of roll through each team and just... You know, every pretty much every team that went two and zero had some kind of dominant pitching performance, and I'll start in Flower Mound at the game I was at Friday, where Texas signee Austin Wallace set the Flower Mound program record with 18 strikeouts. Wow! <laughs> in the uh, the win over Louisville, he had eight yeah. in the first nine innings. I think something like seven or eight of his strikeouts, he didn't even throw a ball in the count. They were either three pitch strikeouts or four pitches with a foul ball or something. So he was just tip-top form, and, you know, um, for those that aren't really familiar with, you know, area baseball, you know, Flower Mound has pretty rich history of of pitching talent, so holding holding the strikeout record there is no small feat, (laughs) and I know he's um, the son of Coach Danny Wallace, so I know Mm -hmm. he's been around the program a long time, so I know it was a real big deal for him to get that record in front of some of the guys that, you know, he was in the dugout with when they won the stand championship back four or five years ago and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, so... Um, yeah, that was an 8-1 win for Louisville. Matt Marlowe had a big bases clear and triple with the bases loaded to kind of break that one open. Um, 
Cam Brown got the win in the first game. He gave he had ten strikeouts in a, a complete game effort. They won that one six two. So good start for Flower Mound. Mm-hmm. You know, looking to bounce back after shockingly not making the playoffs last year for like the first time ever. <laughs> um, so good start for Flower Mound. You have Hebron. They got a sweep of Nimitz. They won five zero and nine three. Jackson Weber. He gets a complete game, one hit shutout with thirteen strikeouts. Um, Dalton Balma went two for three with a couple of RBIs, and then Drake Boggin and Johnny Follett co- combined. They didn't give up any run- earned runs, so no earned runs for Hebron in their sweep of Nimitz allowed. When you look at Coppell, you know they just rolled MacArthur. They won both their games by run rule, one run allowed. Porter uh, Hardcastle had a no hitter with seven strikeouts over five innings to open that one. Mm-hmm. And then Nick Vernars, Vernars looked like he had a pretty good outing in the second game for the win there. And then to round things up, Marcus gets a sweep of Irving. They win 14-0 and 8-3. And that one, Tyler Morgan, he only goes five innings because it's a run rule, but he struck out 11 and threw a one-hitter. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Blake Mayfield <coughs> pitching a shutout with seven strikeouts over six innings. So um, just dominant pitching performances all around in this district mm-hmm. and a lot of these are kind of new names that you didn't really hear a lot from last year so it looks like a lot of mm-hmm. these 6-6-A teams have really replenished themselves on the mound. Whereas you've got a district like 6-6-A where you feel like you already kind of know where the district is going to start yeah. trending. I feel like over a 9-6-A and maybe it might have something to do with just the home-and-home home format but I feel like we're still going to need a few more weeks before we oh, really have an idea as to, who, as to where the where the strength is in this district just because I don't know it's it's and that's the one thing about I guess the home-and-home home versus the round-robin format is because you just don't know like you might get you might have an 0-4 start but it might be because you played like yeah. well, of being the two best teams in yep. the district. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, you look at, at Plano East and, and 9-6-A, you get Boyd to start, mm-hmm. and then you go against Prosper, and then you get Allen. Yeah. So your first six games, three series against arguably, you know, three teams that I think we had in the postseason. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a, you know where you line up, I guess, but at the same time, there's there's no breaks for some of those teams. So far, uh, just at least at the very least through one week of play, you have Prosper, Boyd, and Allen. They swept their respective series. <laughs> They're two and zero. You had Plano West and Jesuits splitting one yep. and one, and then Plano East, Plano Senior, and McKinney at zero and two. Um, Plano West and Jesuit to get a split there. I mean, to uh, with the momentum that the Rangers had coming into district, and we still feel like that's going to be one of the better teams in this district. But yep. for Plano West to show what they did in that district opener, um, just talk a bit about just this, the significance of that victory. Well, I mean, it's Jack Hatch. I mean, it, it's not it's not really any surprise they have you know a, a Baylor commit, um, Jack Hatcher coming back, probably Baylor signee at this point, I guess, as a senior. Um, but you know, he he went six six complete hundred pitches. Um, you know, six strikeouts or so, I think, in, in that win uh, over Jesuit to open district play. Uh, Danny Davis came in and a little rocky cleaning up the last inning. Yeah. Jesuit, that's when, you know, all three runs came across, um, you know, pretty much right there at the end. But, um, you know, for West, it's going to be a story of what they have behind Hatchet. For a lot of teams, especially on, mm-hmm. you know, the baseball side of the diamond, I guess, so to speak. Because in softball, you could ride somebody like Jack Hatchet every game like Tatum Boyd does from Plano West but you can't really do that in baseball so it's you know it's who's going to come out for West um, you know on the nights that Hatchup isn't pitching and and how is this lineup going to adapt to uh, losing a a bunch of key pieces it's a very different lineup Mm -hmm. for West because last year you had Jack Sigrist Nelson Vera Alec Bonacera you had Guys that were, you know, wall bangers and, and double machines and gap to gap guys, whereas now it's all team speed mm-hmm. um, manufacturing runs, which is what they did against Jesuit when they won. They, they took advantage of some mistakes, some walks, some errors, um, jumped out to a 4 nothing lead early and Hatchup, you know, he spot Jack Hatchup four runs 
That's, that's, more that's than pretty enough. good. That's yeah. pretty good situation to be in. So, you know, you, you bring back Ryan Franca, uh, Hatchwick himself in the lineup. Jacob Stevens, the right fielder, hits toward the bottom, but very fast, kind of almost like a secondary leadoff uh, type, depending on where he hits um, any given inning. But yeah, it, it's really just going to come down to who they have um, behind Hatchwick. And, and Luke Douthat is is perfectly serviceable. You know, in his start, he went four and a third, um, struck out five, gave up four runs on three hits. I don't know if any of them were earned. So you know, he'll give you a chance to win. Danny Davis. As a reliever, will give you a chance to close some ball games, but you know it, it's going to be game in and game out who they have behind Hatchup and and how that lineup shows up without a, a guy that can just hit a bomb out of nowhere, pretty much. That's kind of a similar storyline to how things are materializing out in Allen. Yeah. Just defining the the pitching depth beyond Brett Tanksley, who you know Allen knows what they have in Tanksley. This was a kid who was named first team All District as a freshman. One of the uh, the only time during head coach Paul Coe's tenure that he's rolled with a freshman for his district opener. I mean, so yep. that's how quickly Tanksley was able to rise to prominence, and he's right in that same spot this year. He's the and the question is now, where's the depth going to come from behind? And leading into the district opener last week, Allen was kind of uncertain as to what it was going to, yeah. where it was going to be turning. You know, I mean, the you know, Coach Co dropped you know five to seven different names that were all in the mix for that number two spot on uh, on Friday. And um, after Friday, I was at that game when they when they defeated Plano six to three. Um, yeah, it's only one game, so again, sample size you know has to be taken into consideration. But at the very least, through one round, um, Allen's got to be feeling all right at the very least with what they with what Sean McVitie was able to show against Plano. He pitched five innings, allowed only one hit, one earned run, five strikeouts, you know, 1.8 ERA. You'll, I mean, if, if that's what Allen's going to get out of its number two spot behind Tanksley, they're going to be in great shape. Um, the question is going to be, though, just what happens then, I guess, with the development beyond that now with, mm-hmm. like, the bullpen. You know, yep. because you had Tanksley. Tanksley, you had a solid outing against Plano. You know, he threw, a, you know, six and a third. He did give up three earned runs, you know, seven strikeouts, but the, the bulk of that damage came later on in the game as he got closer to that 100, uh, that 100 pitch count. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at their bullpen, you know, against, in the first game against Plano, they allowed two hits over the final two-thirds of that seventh inning. And then on Friday's game, the bullpen was called upon for the last two innings against Plano. They allow four hits, two earned runs. So still got to, you know, tighten up some things there. But obviously, it's still early. Mm-hmm. But um, nevertheless, though, Allen off to a 2-0 start. Two games that kind of materialized in very, very identical fashion, hmm. which, and that's kind of now with, you know, to segue to Plano. Uh, Plano just flat out, like, coming off these first two games, and again, Sample size notwithstanding, got to start games better. Outscored yeah. 5-0 in the first yeah, inning I in both these. Read your story on Friday in both that. these games, and just to immediately be put behind the eight ball with um, you know, and Plano's got you know they they have some experience back. Like Austin Atkinson was a kid who threw some meaningful innings last year mm-hmm. as a sophomore, but on the whole, their rotation is is fairly young. So yeah. that's the thing when you get um when a team comes out and they uh, they're already getting on base and getting to you in the first inning, that can you know that can kind of affect your composure a bit. So nevertheless, the Plano was able to settle down and play things very well from that point forward. The bats come alive late in both these games and actually like, you know, they lost 7 to 4 in game 1, 6 to 3 in game 2. They actually did have a chance at potentially yeah. tying up both of those games. So, but nevertheless, yeah, just a little case of too little too late, but just on the whole whether it's pitching, defense, the bats just Plano has to balance things out a bit more to where they're approaching the plate with the same kind of sense of urgency yeah. uh, early in games as they are um, a bit later. Um, and then uh, I guess with with the with the team like Plano East, like so they, got, I mean they got swept by Boyd, but I don't think it, I mean they seem to show.
show fairly well. Oh, yeah. You know, they were actually in, in position to potentially win yep. one of those games, it felt like. Yep, one was extra innings, 4-3 uh, loss to Boyd, and then the next one was, I mean, 3 nothing. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like they were really out of either of those mm-hmm. games. I mean, they could shut out in the second game. But, you know, with East, it's, it's really just a tale of, you know, one um, maybe possibly budding superstar uh, in freshman Caleb Bergman who... You know, it is, uh, you know, Jordan Bird talking to him before this season said, you know, it's a guy that's really under the radar, obviously being a freshman, being on a team that was 2-12 and 12 in district last season, mm-hmm. but a guy that he feels like is really going to surprise some people. Um, you know, outfield, elite outfield uh, defender, um, you know, going to hit near the top of the order, I'm sure, uh, just kind of does it all. But, you know, they also bring back a ton. I mean, you look up and down that lineup at guys like Jonathan McNair, Chase Cotton, Jake Jennings, you know, they bring back a ton. Mm-hmm. Um so with them, it's going to be. I feel like they're going to be competitive, especially at the plate. Um, I feel like they'll play good defense. You know, that's something Bird really emphasizes. Um, it's just going to be on the bump because the arms are so good in this district. The arms are just so good across across the board. Because I mean, East has a guy like Caleb Hines, Pravery A and M commit. Um, you know, good little southpaw, great. You know, good arm, mm-hmm. but he's not a Brett Tanksley or a Jack Hattrip or a, you know it's 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 that next level elite arm that Plano East I don't feel like really has I mean Bird's more confident in their their depth on the mound and, and more confident in the competitors that they have um, and obviously it showed you know two mm-hmm. really good showings but you know it, it's still it may be another year where you know they're just not quite ready to make that jump to the Allens and the Prospers and the even the Plano West potentially but you know, we'll see. They they could surprise some people. They're certainly going to be more competitive. I expect them to be more competitive. I expect them to steal some wins mm-hmm. um, from people that, that don't take them seriously and, and kind of just look at what they had last year. So, you know, the jury's out on them, and it may be out until after they get through. I mentioned they open with, you know, <laughs> every team that went 2-0 last week yeah. is the team that they have to play for their first three series. So, you know, the jury may be out on them completely um, until they can really start playing uh, some of those teams that are lower down the rung. So That's we'll what we see. That's we call a, a baptism by fire yeah, for the Plano East Panthers. They're, they're right in it, for sure. Before we uh, get out of here and transition to our student-athlete spotlight, uh, just some quick thoughts on District 85A, be it the Colony or Lake mm-hmm. Dallas. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, Lake Dallas is, is kind of like a, a Plano West almost, where, I mean, you lose Mason Meeks, who, it, you know, Ryan Howard would be the first one to tell you, the head coach of Lake Dallas, that replacing a zero ERA in district is, is impossible. I mean, you don't have too many guys come around um, on a year-to-year basis that aren't going to give up an earned run in district play. But, you know, starting quarterback Ryan Debersman on the football team, two-sports star, uh, he went out Friday and avenged. Lake Dallas split with Justin Northwest, lost, I believe, 3-2 to two, uh, in the first game and avenged that loss with a complete game shutout from Debersman Friday. Um, he had like you know eleven strikeouts, one hit, just really carved him up pretty much all game long. Um, so it's going to kind of be that same story. It's going to be who's under you know Deborah Schmidt's going to be a competitor and, and give you a good outing. It looks like every Friday if he's going to be their Friday guy. You know they bring back a ton from their lineup. One through five, I believe, are all returning, um, and one through four in the spots where they hit last year. So they're going to score some runs. They're going to play some good defense. Um, they're going to get a good outing every Friday out of Depper Schmidt. It's who can come out on Tuesday. And Cade McCollum, who who kind of filled that role uh, in the three-two loss, had a totally fine outing. You know he went five innings. Uh, gave up three earned runs, but you know that gives you a chance to win. So in a, a pretty wide open district without Prosper kind of being the boogeyman, I expect like Dallas to be near the top pretty much all year. I think this is a season they may you know take another step forward and and be up there in the discussion for a district title. The Colony, you know, they were coming off last year. They won their first playoff series ever, but they you know they lost some pretty talented players from that team. And when we did our little predictions. Um, after we tabulated all the votes, we actually had them 
missing out on the playoffs. I think part of that was because they kind of struggled during non-district really juggling some things and looking to try to find some pitching and stuff. But um, one of the teams I think everybody picked to make the playoffs was Little Elm, and the Colony actually got a split with them yeah. in the first series. So a real good start for them. They actually could have got the sweep. They were up 2-1 after six innings in the first game and gave up three in the seventh to lose 4-2. to two. So, you know, they were three outs away from coming out and sweeping Little Elm. Uh, Shea Hardis pitched very well in that first game. Um, nine strikeouts, six innings. And then, you know, Little Elm took advantage of some mistakes and put up a three spot in the seventh to get the win. But then uh, Austin Price comes right back for the Cougars and, you know, puts on a dominant effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's big, pretty big series. There are well, going to be a lot of big series in this district, actually. Yep. But um, ten strikeouts, one hi- uh, four hits, one run in a complete game. They uh, shut out Little Elm, or they t- beat them two to one. So, um Really good start for the colony there because, you know, a lot of the expectations, I guess, were kind of down, at least from, from some of us. So mm-hmm. um, getting a split with Little Elm is a good way to start. One, um, one school that, you know, Lake Dallas and the colony are plenty familiar with, and I'm sure there's probably some internal relief to not have to deal with this program anymore, is Prosper. <laughs> yep. yeah. Prosper is now wreaking havoc on District uh, 96A, and uh, we'll get to Prosper in a bit. But first time, they're the subject of our student-athlete spotlight. Brian Murphy had a chance to swing by and talk with uh, one of their standout bats, uh, Luke Johnson, on the Eagles' strong season, his big year, and we will see what he had to say after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, I'm here with Prosper senior catcher Luke Johnson with the 17-2 and Prosper Eagles. And Luke, thanks for taking the time to, to hop on our podcast. And so 17-2 and two to start the year, first ever year in Class 6A. You know, y'all faced a lot of tough teams. Y'all beaten a lot of tough teams already. What has kind of been uh, the recipe to the success so far here in uh, the 2019 season? So far this season, we've just had, you know, a lot of guys step up. Last year, we graduated a ton of pitching. And then this year, we kind of didn't know where we'd stand in terms of, you know, pitching. And we've had guys like Caleb Putnam and Jake Cosner and Jack Warren really come into their own as pitchers and leaders of the pitching staff. And then you have guys like Adam Sheriff who, I don't know, we didn't even expect to start to, this year. He came up and he's just been hitting the crap out of the ball. And he's just been, it's been awesome so far. Now to have guys back like yourself and Connor Jackson, uh, the you know defensive player of the district last year, and I know you you're the power hitter of this team. You know, talk a little bit about your role, and then guys like Connor, those returning seniors that you know went through the ringer of the playoffs last year, that long deep playoff run y'all had. Talk about those guys' roles as well in this team. It's excellent to have that great group of seniors back for this year. You know, having CJ at short, you know, leader of the defense, and then having you know me behind the plate, Braden Webb in center field. Braden Webb's a three-year starter, and we, he's usually started at second base, and then we just put him in center field this year, and he's been playing lights out. And it's just been, I don't know, its everything just seems to be going well, and we're just kind of clicking right now. Now, what better way to start the district season than y'all's performances last week against McKinney, a pretty good McKinney squad. Uh, you know, it's a really tough district, and y'all run rule them on Tuesday. Y'all beat them again Friday. Was that kind of the ideal way to start the district I, season? I mean, you can't really wish for a better start than that. I mean, it was just great. Offense came out Tuesday night, firing. Friday kind of took us a little while to get going, but, you know, we eventually got there, and 
Pitching again, outstanding. Jake Cosner almost threw a no-hitter. Putnam came out through lights out on Tuesday. It's just been great. Now, this is y'all's first season in Class 6A. Did y'all kind of come into this season kind of feeling like underdogs or knowing that y'all kind of had a, a target on y'all's back, knowing that y'all have had so much success uh, in 5A? And y'all face a lot of 6A teams in non-district over the past few years. So kind of what was that mentality like coming into the season officially your first year in 6A? To us, you know, we're, we're never really the underdogs in our own minds. We were always expecting to win, you know, we've – gone to we've gone three rounds deep like seven years in a row so we're not ne we never come out and think oh we have to play great to beat this team we just think we can play our game and then I don't know 6a we just I mean as you said we've been playing 6a since forever and we've been beating 6a since forever and uh, I mean when you got teams like Jesuit and all the competition we've played in our in tournaments it's just been it's been fun and it's been good to see how you know, we've continued success. Hey, Y'all went five rounds deep in the 5A playoffs last year, lost to Forney. They had, you know, two stud pitchers. That was a really good team. You know, one of those guys got drafted by the Rangers. So pretty self-explanatory there. What did y'all learn in that deep playoff run? Granted, even though it was in 5A, uh, but what did y'all learn from that and then the way y'all lost in the fifth round? You can you can never get too comfortable. We won game one against the, uh, the guy drafted by the Rangers. And we knew that if we beat either Childress, the guy that got drafted, or, or uh, Engler, uh, we'd, we'd probably coast to a victory. Then they game three, they bring out a guy that's 88 with a, with a nasty slider. And, I mean, we like after the first game, we were planning our room for stay. We were planning who we were going to stay with. So we, I think we just got too ahead of ourselves. And, you know, we're just going to keep learning from that. Now, head coach Rick Carpenter, legendary coach, you know, the father of Matt Carpenter playing with the, the St. Louis Cardinals. What's it like to have, you know, that type of legendary coach leading this uh, leading this program? I mean, it's uh, you can't really ask for a better coach than that. He's been kind of – he's kind of why I came to this school. I moved here from Kansas City my freshman year. And, you know, it was pretty easy when, you know, you see a coach that's won 700-something games. He was at 700-something at the time. Now he's 860 or something like that. And, I mean, you don't get that many wins by accident. He's brilliant. We love having him here. Now, y'all have, you know, one of the cooler, you know, stadiums, high school stadiums, high school baseball stadiums, you know, in the state, really. You got the Green Monster, you know, behind y'all. Do y'all feel like it gives y'all kind of an advantage? Oh, of you know, what, what, do, what, do, what do you think other teams think of when they have to roll in here and they see that big Green Monster behind you? I think it helps us in that we don't change our game because we have that monster. When other teams get here, they try to pull the ball. They get pull happy. They try to put one over the monster. And, you know, they get around the ball. They get rollovers of shortstop. And we just kind of we stick with our approach, and we know that you know that wall is is our advantage. Thanks again to Luke Johnson for taking the time to chat with Brian for our student athlete spotlight. And um, in the meantime, yeah, we've subbed in Brian Murphy and Kendrick Johnson. Um, I'll be playing the part of Devin Hassan. Devin is out sick today, so um, yeah, we're just going to continue just batting around some uh, some early takeaways from uh, from baseball season. So uh, Brian, Kendrick, whoever wants to get the ball rolling, guys, just what is one observation you guys have had so far within these first few weeks of the season? Got a dual observation. It's coming a long season for the McKinney Lions baseball team. <laughs> They're very young. And very, very green, like Ian Bryan's shirt. Happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> but those dudes from Prosper are legit. When they come to your town, they have the swag and confidence at a 15. They expect to win, and they put on a show. Now, what were you saying about uh, Rick Carpenter before before that we came on? If you didn't know the dude was a legend, <laughs> just talk to the guy. A, he knows his stuff. B, he just has that aura like... 
I got this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so, and they feed off of that. Yeah, so Prosper head coach Rick Carpenter, he just got his 867th win. He's now wow. fourth all-time uh, the Texas high school coaches wins list. Uh, you know, he has state championships at Fort Ben Elkins. He has a state title at Prosper back in 2015. And this team very well could win a state title this year. They are loaded. This team in 5A, you know, if it wasn't for those two studs at 40, those two pitchers that were off to A&M, one got drafted by the by the Rangers. If it wasn't for those two guys, they would have gone to the state, you know, state tournament mm-hmm. last year. That's how good they were. And they returned so many of their guys this year. You know, they just demolished McKinney in, in two games, outscored him. Four hits. No, they had they had they had four. They had three in the game one. They had one on Friday, yeah. and got scored seventeen to zero. And they got run ruled Tuesday night. The game I was there at Prosper, so that was an early game for me. I, I got <laughs> I got to get in bed early that night, get some rest, uh, thanks to Prosper's dominance. But man, this they, go ahead. Who's the lefty? Cosner. Yeah, Cosner. He 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 was salty. He had a nice good. Uh, he, he could mix in his slider with a good fastball and um, change up and lost command of his fastball and still threw a one hitter. But like in the third, fourth inning, he had a big K, a big situation. He had a run on base through a walk, and it's like he just fed off. Of and he's been a contributor on this varsity since the soft since he was a sophomore. Now he's a senior. You have guys, you know, this. they have so many returners from last year. You have the, the district's defensive player of the year from a year ago at shortstop Connor Jackson. You have Luke Johnson, a first-team all-district player. He had five home runs last year. He bats cleanup. He's a monster who I just spoke to uh, in our interview. You know, Braden Webb, Jax Alley, Tate Starks. The, the, they, a new guy that they have batting third, Dalton Davis, transferred from uh, Frisco Independence. He moved to Prosper. I saw him hit a home run that didn't count against McKinney. <laughs> Due to a balk, so the play was called dead before the pitch. But technically, they didn't know that because he smacked a home run. There was a lot of confusion. The next pitch hits it in the same exact spot, just a few feet short off the top of the green monster that Prosper has That's out there. Consistency, right? It, it is. It is. So it was like, I, and I, I talked to, to Coach Carpenter after the game about that. I was like, man, you know, how impressive was that? That at bat right there. You know, a lot of kids could just crumble right there and be like, oh, I just hit a home run. Now I'm about to strike out. Now I'm about to pop up or something. No, he he. He beat the mess out of the ball on the next pitch, in in route to that route uh, of McKinney. But man, this this team prospered. You know they've beaten Wakeland this year. Uh, they they've uh, they they they've only lost to Argyle and they've only lost to Coppell. And that is no shame in either of those losses. Elite <laughs> company right there. Coppell, one of the best six A teams in the state. Argyle, the best four A team in the state, if not the best team overall in the state. Really, uh, it, you know, one of them for sure. You know, and they've just beaten everyone else. They they rematched Coppell again later on. They beat them seven to zero. They've beaten Saxe. They've beaten Dengar. They've beaten Flower Mound. They swept McKinney. We'll see. We'll see when the going gets a little tougher. When you f- start facing Plano ISD, McKinney Boyd, McKinney which would be a good transition. Shits. So McKinney Boyd, I, the Broncos started off two and zero, got a good sweep over uh, Plano East. They were down three one, came back and won four three, got the dub, and had a shutout one three zero. In this game, it don't matter how you win. It's that you win. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing a good job um, staying consistent. They're a team that they do what they have to do to win. They can get – I've looked at their scores. They've been in 12-11 shootouts and 2-1 and pitchers duels. Mm-hmm. So they, But they tend to come out on the good side. Um, um, they ride the backs of Tyler Collins, who's a stud center fielder and sophomore. He's like – you you like this analogy, old school, Kenny Lofton. He's a young mm-hmm. Kenny, Kenny Lofton, Lofton type yeah. player. 
Yeah. He's lefty too, so he gets out that box fast. Cleveland Indians, can he lofty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the, yeah, he was the, I forgot you were a '90s baby. My bad. <laughs> yeah, he was the district's newcomer of the year last season, if I recall. How about um? How about over in Frisco ISD, Brian? Ooh. What are some really takeaways on what's happened? Uh, how, first off, how far into the schedule are they as far as district play so goes? So they're just five games. Okay. So softball, they're a little further. They're at eight games. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, so they'll play tomorrow. But they're five games in already in the district season in Frisco. And take a guess. I want y'all to just take a guess who the top team right now in Frisco is. Wait. What there, you said. There you go. I mean, it's it's no surprise. They're five and zero. Oh. You know, they won the district last year. You know, they they're a state contender year in year out, and this year is no different. They have the district pitcher of the year from a year ago back, and Justin Karbowski, who just pitched a great game. That's a great last name, Car- by the way. Karbowski, <laughs> his nickname's Carbo. What a nickname. Uh, he pitched a great game against Reedy on Friday. They have the reigning district MVP in J.D. Gregson. He's coming off a monster week uh, against Reedy as well. So get this. They face Reedy. Frisco Reedy and Frisco Wakeland, they don't like each other. It's just this new rivalry. It's, the kids know each other. There's a ton of kids that go to Wakeland that have siblings at Reedy. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. They're so close. And I, I'm seeing on Twitter, you know, when they're hyping, kid, you know, hyping people up for the game, they're tweeting out the, the location and this and that. They won't say at Reedy High School. I saw Wakeland, one of the Wakeland accounts tweeted this. It said, against Reedy, the location... That school off Stonebrook, they don't, they won't say Reedy High School. They, so get this. So Tuesday, I, I, I pulled to the game Friday at Reedy, and there's just being Wakeland's warming up about 30 minutes before the game, and classical music is being played. Mm-hmm. It's really somber, really mellow, really relaxing. I'm like, okay, this is you know really, really either really classy or just I don't. It's not very upbeat right now to warm up. And I get in the press box and I hear, well. Tuesday at Wakeland, they were doing a similar thing, so Reedy wanted to return the favor while Wakeland warmed up, <laughs> so they wouldn't get all jazzed like up that. and pumped up for the game. <laughs> I like that so gamesmanship. It, it yeah. is. It's, it's 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 a fun little deal between between Wakeland and Reedy. Is that, is that all sports or just baseball? I, I feel like it's more prominent in baseball. Uh, they they know each other really well. It also helps. You know, Wakeland's really good. Reedy's really good. So there there was a lot to be told. A lot to be seen when those two teams played uh, a back to back series last week and Tuesday. Tuesday night's game, I'm, I'm, I'm mad that I missed that one because Reedy was up all game long, and then due to the pitch count, Dalton Beck had to, you know, they had to take him out in the seventh inning. Josh Foskey, who we know all about, terrific player, mm-hmm. you know, he bats in the top of the order, he's third base or first baseman normally. He's been kind of a closer, reliever role. He comes in, didn't have his best stuff. He blew up. He, 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 I wouldn't say he blew it, but Wakeland's bats came alive. J.D. Gregson hits a, J.D. Gregson hits a walk-off home run to, def, to totally deflate Reedy. That kind of carried over into Friday night's game because in that game it wasn't even close. Wakeland won 14-4. to uh, They put eight runs in in the third inning. Wakeland looked like Wakeland. And I, I talked to, to Chris Cole, or Chris Cox, I should say, Reedy head coach after the game. He said, you know, I thought we were going to be able to right the ship you know, from Tuesday and perform well Friday night. And they did. They were up 2-0 uh, thanks to a home run by Jordan Byers, sophomore Jordan Byers. This kid at Reedy, he could be a, an MVP candidate this year. He was, started, he was a starting pitcher, gave up zero unearned runs. Uh, or give up zero earned runs in this game. There was a ton of errors, as you can imagine. He also had a two-run home run in this game. He's there, bats right in the top of the lineup. Sophomore, Oklahoma State commit, stud player for Reedy. And it looked like they were going to right the ship, like uh, Chris Cox said they would. 
And then he said, well, then Wakeman just started hitting the mess out of the ball. And there was just, they had 17 hits in this one, 14 runs against a really good Reedy team. And, man, I, I, I don't know right now who, who can beat Wakeland in, in that district. At 5-0, first place in, uh, in 9-5A. Yeah, Frisco Wakeland currently number 15 in the state, according to the TXHighSchoolBaseball.com state ranks. Uh, Prosper, number 6 over in 6A. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Prosper certainly one of the better teams mm-hmm. in our coverage area uh, thus far. Um, before we get out of here, just some quick notes on some stuff over in, uh, I guess, East Dallas County. Um, Saxey, you know, your alma mater, Brian. Yeah. Keep an eye on Saxey. Saxey's got a, they've got a ton of experience back this season. And you could see, I mean, it was a kind of a uh, an up-and-down non-district schedule. At one point, they strung together an eight-game winning streak, but immediately followed that up with a four-game losing streak. They have since righted the ship a bit to begin district play in District 10 6A with um, with wins over uh, Wiley 5-0, Name and Force 13-3, and um, just some of the uh, of the con- of the contributors to uh, to that start. You have uh, the Cromer brothers, you know Cameron and Chase Cromer, you know. Um, Chase bats lead off. Cameron bats second. Um, you know, together they uh, they've batted a combined 400 from the plate. Those first two district games, three RBIs, and then you've got pitcher Chase Alford, who was a uh, an all district first team selection in the outfield last year. He's actually a pretty solid pitcher too. Um, you know, he. Uh, you know, in addition, he went from the uh, you know two of three, two RBIs from the plate against Naaman Forest. Against Wiley, though, you know, he got the start through a complete game and allowed one hit. So, um, you know, some promising stuff from uh, from Saxy to begin. Um, interesting to see kind of see how that district shakes out. It's not like you know in softball, the softball iteration of that district where you have Wiley, which is just you know far mm-hmm. away the you know the best team in that district. You know, you have a team like Saxy that could make a legitimate push towards a uh, towards a district championship. And then um, over in uh, over in eleven six a some early bragging rights. Within uh, within Mesquite ISD, you have uh, Horn off to a two and zero start after sweeping their uh, the rival Mesquite Skeeters last week. Uh, two very low scoring games, uh, four to two, and then a uh, one to zero. The uh, the four to two victory for Horn that came uh, you know a week ago on Monday, courtesy of a uh, of a three run sixth inning by the uh, by the Jaguars. A uh, a strong performance um, for Rob Demons, who had two RBIs in that one. Another great last name. And then uh, let's see. And then against. Uh, in the 1-0 victory against the uh, against the Skeeters, it was uh, Ryan Rodriguez coming through with an RBI there. So, um, yeah, just some yeah. Again, it's uh, for a lot of these districts. Just it's still so early to really kind of you know know where the where the power lies. It's you know, but we'll see in the uh, in the coming weeks. When you think of 11-6A, you think Rockwall ISD and you know programs like uh, like that. As far as where the the traditional strength has been in that neck of the uh, of the Metroplex. But yeah, just some some cursory observations for Mesquite ISD and uh, and Saxy as well. And I don't know, guys. That'll, uh, that'll just about do it for this edition of the podcast. We will, um, let's see, uh, yeah, this is, uh, I guess we're recording this on Monday, so we'll be back later on in the week to uh, offer up some observations on just how uh, softball is shaking out as we inch closer and closer to the midpoint of district play. Um, Brian, Kendrick, uh, Taylor, Justin, appreciate everybody for tagging along for this edition of the podcast. Folks, hey, you enjoy your week. We will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. 
StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.